Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are WFMP LP Louisville broadcasting from the top of the historic Hayburn building at 106.5 FM. And we live stream to the world at forwardradio.org. And uh, that is the place to go to become a part of this great community radio station. And we need your volunteer power and your dollars to help keep us on the air. It's a, it's a great community treasure that's a steal at only $20 a day. So chip in what you can today at forwardradio.org. If you like the programming you're hearing, these kind of community conversations you're not going to hear anywhere else but here on Forward Radio. And I am excited to get into the virtual studio with me a couple of sisters joining me who are here to talk about their engagement with the Citizens Climate Lobby. Uh, We've got in the virtual studio uh, Carmel Bowman. Welcome, Carmel. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. And where are you joining us from right now? I'm in Bardstown, beautiful Bardstown, Down in Bardstown, that's right. And her sister Maggie Hedinger is here too. Welcome, Maggie. Nice to be here. And where are you joining us from? I am actually a little south. I'm right next to Burnham Forest, straight down I-65. Lovely. You're probably about 10 degrees cooler than we are here at downtown Louisville right now. Um, That is usually true. Yes. I'm jealous. I can't feel that coming through the computer screen, but (laughs) I believe you. Uh, So Carmel and Maggie are two sisters who've decided to do something real and effective about climate change. They've teamed up with Citizens Climate Lobby, a grassroots organization that's been featured on this show before, that has the same mission and it has a plan that was introduced into the U.S. Congress as the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. And with the Louisville chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby, they will be presenting a virtual show later this week for anyone who might be interested in joining. It'll be on Thursday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Carmel is a mom and a Center College graduate. She's played several roles as a volunteer with Bernheim Forest and Kentucky Water Watch. She's also a Montessori teacher, Girl Scout leader, church and community musician, and even a hillbilly for the Kentucky Flavor Traveling Road Show. That sounds exciting. Uh, Her post-COVID plans are to focus on empowering herself and others to deal with climate change. That sounds perfect for us here on Sustainability Now, as well as bridging differences through respect and compassionate communication. We cannot do it without that, so that is great. And then Maggie's a semi-retired musician and teacher living just outside of Bernheim, as she mentioned, down in Bullitt County. She's passionate about the climate, live music, wild edible foods and mushrooms. Ooh, it's a good time of year for that, too. I wonder if we'll have time to talk about that today. Um, And as a grandmother, she's been known to lead joyful musical parades around the yard. Man, I wish we had a little clip of that to share with our audience. (laughs) So um, tell us how you two uh, got involved and and why'd you become so passionate about climate issues, of all things? Well, I can tell you that my start, I think the environmental part that I'm excited about the most is trees. Yeah. My favorite thing to do as a kid was climb trees. My oh, favorite no. reading spot as a child was about 15, 20 feet up <laughs> in a tree, a maple tree, a sugar maple tree in the front yard. And we could spy on everybody and not be seen. <laughs> it was very nice. And then as a teenager, I spent a lot of time with the Girl Scouts out in the woods and specifically went backpacking in the Appalachian Mountains and made the connection between the acid rain, the death of the trees, the pollution, and how that turned on from our electricity at our house. And my children grew up 
hearing, turn off the lights, you're killing the trees in Appalachia. <laughs> so wow. kind of went on from there. Wow, neat. And, and what about you, Maggie? Well, you know, I came from kind of the same background, but in the 70s, I guess we all called ourselves environmentalists. Right. In fact, I think that most people in the United States, I heard this recently, called themselves environmentalists in the 70s. So I got married. My husband and I came out here to Bullock County. We built a log house and moved off the grid. Wow. Drank rainwater, had electricity, but not much else. And my little sisters were part of the, some of the people that helped us build our house with a hammer and everything. So we really came out the nature. And we have done that for a long time. And gradually we slipped a little bit more back into normal life. But I remember when Al Gore came out and woke us up a little bit with uh, <laughs> yeah. Inconvenient Truth. At that time, it's funny because I was a, pretty much a church lady at that time. All right. And it was a real funny split because all of a sudden, all the lo local churches who we'd worked with so much, there was that weird split that happened that they were afraid of environmentalism. Mm. And it was so strange. And just thought about it and thought about it. Could never, could never suss that out. But I will say that, again, things like that get to the background. And then uh, when my niece was doing Girl Scouts again, I came to help her work with the troop. They were working on environmental stuff, which they do. Did a journey. Right. We did a lot of research. Of course, I had to do lots more than the kids did. And also met with my other niece, who is a scientist. And she started speaking science about the environment in ways that I had never heard. And then Greta came. Yes. And then I read uninhabited earth and then was practically laid out flat not um, you know what that book is uninhabitable yes. earth just didn't know whether i was going to be able to get up in the morning so uh. that's the way i felt it was so solid and i still feel that way or i would if we hadn't found a way to work on this right and i'm grateful for that and there are so many ways to work on it, right? It's it's not just one thing or the other. It's solving climate change is going to require attacking it from so many different angles, and we'll talk about we'll talk about those today. But certainly, Citizens Climate Lobby is trying to work at it from sort of the nonpartisan policy angle on a national level. But when we all think about climate change too, it also comes right down to where we are, our home, our church, our, our place of business, and we all can play a role in the transition, right? I think that's where it has to start with personal responsibility, because you have to know what you're talking about. You have to know what you're asking mm -hmm. others to do. You have to be able to see what's ahead. You have to make the connection between what you're doing and the bigger picture with the folks across, whether it's the trees in Appalachia or the or the climate migrants in Bangladesh. Yeah, it's going to have a big impact. But we all feel like we want to do something on our own anyway. So we do our part. But as you said, it's not. And we'll talk about this later too. It's not going to be enough. But it has to start there. That's what <laughs> starts with the awareness. You have to have the conversations. You have to have the awareness, and then you you can build. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awareness and information 
And then in a certain level, uh, an amount of passion that I think is is sparked by things like the arts. And certainly music is a big part of what you all do, right? And I don't think we, we want to think about a solution to climate change being something dry and technical. <laughs> like that just doesn't get people engaged the same way uh, that opening our hearts and minds through, through the arts can. So I, I really see... That there's a big role to play there, um, and I'm sure I'm sure you all have encountered that too, right? Like, what motivates people to change? Well, it's also Megan. You just tell me to quit when you want to talk, <laughs> but 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 part of this is also it's it's kind of an adventure if you take yeah. it as a spirit of adventure. Because yes, we're all going to try and and conserve water and electricity, but uh, and I will tell you that that using that I do my laundry in cold water oh, and yeah. I use my clothesline, which I didn't do until our exchange student from Germany came over and used a clothesline in spite of our dryer. But but I will tell you that is my favorite chore of all to do. If I have <laughs> if I have to do a chore, I want to hang laundry because it's a nice day outside. You're outside, you know it's a nice day or else you wouldn't be hanging your laundry. So the sun's shining, you've got that smell of fresh laundry coming at you. How can it get any better than that? But but also, you know, if you're a tool person, to get to go and buy the electric drills Ooh, yeah. and the electric lawnmowers, that's exciting. <laughs> um, I have, I have a new a new bike. I'm excited oh, about yeah. that. Yes, we're gonna go for a bike ride in a couple of weeks, and I've got a, a new bike. But what about trying out the Impossible Burger? Right. That's fun. Yes. Um, we have new recipes all the time because we have part of the no waste. Club, food club which is not the clean plate club but it's just that every so often like once a week we have to clean out the fridge and everything in there that is not going to be eaten in its current form has to go into either must go soup must go stew or must go casserole wow i and, love it and and so we it's an adventure it's an we reuse everything we can. Re gifting is absolutely allowed. Absolutely. Yes. With a personal yes. note, this was one of our favorite things. We hope you love it as much as we did. No. So, I, mean, <laughs> I love it. It doesn't have to be droll and 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 also, you know how they talk about when when neighborhood people are told how much energy consumption they use compared to their neighbors and yes. the levels go way down. That's exciting. Get an electric car and see if you play that game about how much mileage you can get <laughs> and how many how many elect, electric days you're making worth of on your solar panels. Uh -huh. It's it's a fun game if you can if you can play that one. It's it's I, I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna quit, Maggie. Your turn. <laughs> Well, I was going to say you're going for the the excitement end. Um, <laughs> I, there there is also a pleasure in pulling back a little bit from some of the crazy oh, stuff yeah. that's going on. I mean, there's so much. My girls posted something this morning. One of my girls had fixed and she'd repaired a rug, and 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 she had posted it and just showed it. And my other daughter said she just texted in, "Mending is so satisfying." Isn't it? And I thought, oh, if that isn't the line for this, mending is so satisfying. Let <laughs> us please get back to where we can mend. But there are simple things. For for instance, this last year during COVID, I, I found something online and somebody says, wear our dress for 100 days and we'll give you another one. And I thought, wear a dress for 100, 100 days? days? What are you talking about? Well, okay. <laughs> so 
So they're saying if you have a wool dress, you don't need to wash it all the time. You just hang it up. And I said, yeah, on my body? No way. But it's true. <laughs> I bought a wool sweater tunic and I have spent the whole winter wearing the same shirt. And it works. You just hang it up in the evening, you know, and, and then the next morning it's ready to wear. And that one simple thing has huh. cut my laundry. Once a week, I can wash sheets and socks. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, anything else, you know, maybe I think I've washed that maybe four times in the whole winter and I wore it all winter. I mean, that's a silly thing that is wonderful. It's just pleasant. What are the kinds of things? We drink water. We got excited when we actually put in city water and got the, the Louisville tap uh-huh. instead of the well water and the cistern water that we had had before. And then since then, we've gone further. My husband still likes his two liters. And finally, we bought a soda stream. Oh, yeah. So, soda stream tap water. Wonderful, wonderful. It's great. We have solar panels. Thanks, Mom, for the inheritance. <laughs> and we have an electric car. We love our cars. We love that. I did change one piece of my life a while back. My first big change was when the kids all left the house and I felt empty nester and filled it by learning how to fly. Yes. That was a wonderful thing to do. But gradually, I realized that, uh, you know, this is a pretty fuel-intensive thing, flying yeah. those small planes, those Cessnas and Pipers and everything like that. So I switched to flying a glider, oh, which is a wonderful thing. It's all on skill and air currents. I love flying a glider. There you go. Good example. Okay. Oh, yeah. I got up in a glider once. It was a revolutionary experience. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Uh, well, what what have you all found that maybe was a struggle in terms of trying to change some of your habits or lifestyle choices that, that you maybe had to like set down for a while and move on to other things? I went into, I mean, everybody, for everybody, it's hard. I'm trying to stay, if we try to keep our electric use under our solar panels, now, we live in the woods, yeah. so we don't get quite the value yeah. that Carmel does with her big field, okay? But it's still so worth it, so worth it. Oh, yeah. But if I try to make sure that my driving stays underneath my solar, I'm not going to go as far. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to drive as much, which, you know, I don't need to be doing that. But that's tricky, actually pulling back on driving. And most people have tried to do that if you've tried to cut out fuel. So yeah. that, one's, that one's hard. Yeah. What else? It's hard to do without plastic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have sworn off plastic water bottles. There you go. And if there's ever any event, then I, I at the Salt River Watershed Watch conference three years ago, I took them to task. Why are you having plastic water bottles? I'll bring the cooler, get water. People can bring their own cups. And even in groups like that, I had to make a notice of it to them. And the next year, they changed that. So... They are, you know, we can all learn. We can all learn. I think my hardest thing is the meatless Mondays. I've been trying really hard to oh, yeah. reduce meat in our household, but it's just hard to do. And um, I saw, you said the other day, meatless mornings. I thought, well, that's brilliant. That's the next step. We can try that. But but it's really, it's hard in my household. It's really hard. And the other I'm thing that, I, that I've found is the hardest is talking to people who are just tired of hearing me harp about this Oh, okay and or trying to mostly it's just because i'm excited and of course <laughs> we want people to know about things but so you have to walk this balance about 
how you talk to people because you don't want to put anybody down for anything they're they're working on or they're trying or that they can't right. you know as you said there's some things that are just hard and you just can't and so you can't beat anybody up about that uh, so it's kind of a fine line to walk to be encouraging to do just live your life as an example um or not just live your life example <laughs> or not just live your life but then you have to let other people live their life and then hopefully they'll ask you Yes. And when they ask you, then you get the chance to go. We always say no advice unless somebody asks you in writing from a lawyer with two witnesses. Now you can give advice. <laughs> no, I love that. This, the weirder it is and the more visible it is, the more likely you are to get asked about it, which is exactly what we want, right? Uh, this is fun. I'm speaking with uh, two sisters involved in Citizens Climate Lobby. Uh, in our virtual studio today are Carmel Bowman joining us from Bardstown and Maggie Hettinger uh, down in Bullitt County. And uh, they are going to be giving a, a little show performance. We're not even sure what to call it uh, coming up this week that you won't want to miss on Thursday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. with the uh, Louisville chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby. Uh, and I know that the Louisville chapter has... A Facebook page, right? Is that where people can go to get more information to register for the event? Do you think? I think that's where they are. They do have a. They're going to have that that information out. Okay. Or if you can, that's the best of my knowledge. They're going to put it out there somewhere, but that's probably the best one. Yes, and you can get connected to the chapter through the national organization Citizens Climate Lobby. Org. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you've got in mind for Thursday. Well, I think we need to start with a, a song. Yes. Because we are definitely having a song on Thursday. It'll be this song, but it's a good one. It's bears <laughs> repeating. And it's kind of how we, what we were just talking about, the things that you do and how it makes a difference and what can go from there. So I'm just going to jump into this song here. It's a Mitch Barrett song. He's from Berea. It's a crazy world we live in. Bad news all around. Brothers and sisters, if we're gonna make a difference, we're gonna have to stand our ground and be a drop in the bucket and a bucket in the pond. And the pond fills the river and the river rushes on. And every river swells a river till the power can't be stopped. But becomes a mighty ocean started as a drop. Down in Alabama, a lady boarded a bus. The driver said, you're black, you gotta sit in the back. Rosa said, I've had enough. Yeah, she was a drop in the bucket <laughs> and a bucket in the pond. And the pond fills the river and the river rushes on. And as the river swells the river till the power can't be stopped, what becomes a mighty ocean started as a drop. Great Britain ruled over India, made them slaves to the goods they bought. Till Gandhi took his people to the ocean and said, look, free salt. He was a drop <laughs> in the bucket and a bucket in the pond. And the pond fills the river and the river rushes on. And as the river swells the river till the power can't be stopped. And what becomes a mighty ocean started as a drop. Now in the alleys of Calcutta, Mother Teresa lived her life. She did much more than feed the poor. She taught us how to shine our light. Well, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, 
what becomes a mighty ocean started as a drop. Woo! <laughs> That's awesome. I think that's only my second guest who's broken into song during the show. That's so great. The other one was Dan from Bernheim. He works with kids. I don't know if you know Dan. <laughs> he's been, we know Dan. Yeah. He's, he's my son-in-law. Oh, all right. There you go. <laughs> Runs in the family. <laughs> That's, so That's delightful. Funny. That is delightful. <laughs> so if you all love that and you want more of that, uh, get connected with the Louisville Chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby. You can find them on Facebook and register for the uh, event coming up Thursday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. With uh, And it'll be virtual online, so anybody can join from anywhere with Carmel and Maggie, who are joining me today on Sustainability Now. We're so delighted to have them. Um, so you mentioned that you all um, recently watched some of the TED Talks that I've done, uh, and you wanted to talk a little bit about those. So this is great. You know, Ted Ted is not a Q&A format. So it's always like me <laughs> getting up there and then walking away. So would love to hear some of your thoughts about uh, about what I said and, and how it impacted you all. Well, the interesting thing is that I watched two of them and then Maggie watched a different one. Oh, yeah. So we had we had different things that we wanted to talk about. But sure. I just wanted to touch on a few things that I know that you had mentioned. You talked about your sustainability balance in the three-legged stool right. and making sure that that all of the the three legs were taken care of the planet the people and the economy or the the businesses right. and how they all intersect so and that we would make better choices if we connected the dots between our actions and the people who suffer because of them hmm. but that the businesses are dependent on consumer choices but also on the parameters set by the limitations like the physical what's available, but also the realization that we now have of the damage and the costs incurred. Okay. Do I have that right so yeah, far? Yeah. Wow. You're nailing it. Okay. And then, and then we all, you also talked about living an interconnected life mm. and, and while making those choices, you have to think about the, the blasted mountains yeah. for energy and the migrant workers with your food and, and our poor neighbors of Paducah who are, we're, what you, I don't, I'm not saying that on the radio um, and, the, and, and the poor folks in Louisville's West End getting smogged with the air pollution and the factories in Bangladesh. And, and what that one thing that comes out to me is, is one of the citizens climate lobbies, little videos they have, they have a, a mention in there that says, because every single issue is made exponentially worse by global warming. So not only do we have to pay attention to what's happening now, but what, what's coming down the pike that we are a part of. So there's so much to think about and it's, and it's really painful. Yeah. If you really know about it and think about it, it's painful. And, and there are some people that think about it anyway, like you and like Maggie, and you make adjustments to take care of that, but some don't, some don't. And for one thing, they're just worried about taking care of their families and they've got day-to-day -day things to yeah. deal with and they just cannot put any more on their plate. But some people don't because it's just too painful yeah. and they just can't deal with that. So, you know, they need some retail therapy. They just need to go shopping. And as you, I love that quote when, or what you said, we can't shop our way to sustainability. <laughs> right. So, so, but learning about it is necessary, but again, do we have time for that? How long did it take me to get to that point where I was even willing to think about it and then start slowly making the changes mm. that were necessary? Mm. 
And do I have time to research every shoe and find no out if it was made? I, I don't. I can't. I need somebody else that I can trust to help me through that and say, this is a good, I mean, I know I can just get my clothes made by the, the lady in town who sews clothes. I can make them myself. I know that. But do I have time to research everything else? No. But if there was a some way that that it could be laid out for me in a way that I trusted, that would make it easier. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, my son, who lives in California, who is actually visiting right now, I'm very excited. He was the one who said, Mom, you're doing all the right things, but it's not enough. Mm. You know, so so what is enough? And it's got to be, and he told me, it's got to be on a governmental level. It's got to be on a policy level. So he's the one who introduced me to, to CCL. Okay, I'm, I'm getting to a point here, I think. One of the other things that you mentioned on one of your TED Talks was your analogy to slavery, mm -hmm. which I think is brilliant. Our society is so on fossil fuels, we just cannot see our way forward without it. Yeah. Now, in the case of slavery, we are crawling our way forward. We're not there <laughs> yet, but we've you know made a start. But it took a civil war to get that to happen. Yeah. So what's our sustainability civil war? What's it going to take to get us to spend the time and attention and knowledge and thinking and living interconnectedly? You mentioned that our leaders can help set a vision for our future. But I think our leaders in D.C., in Kentucky, and even locally, they're waiting for the cavalry. Mm. They're waiting for the next big invention or a civil war or some major event that will force them to do something. And we've had plenty of big events, but we're still not making that change. And then Marshall Saunders, the founder of the Citizens Climate, said, we are the cavalry. And in your talks, I heard you say several times, you could do that today. You can make that choice today. You could do that today. Yeah. So what would you think if we could show you something that you could do today? that would address all three legs of your three-legged stool. It would create affordable, clean energy, would encourage that. It would be helpful to businesses and commerce. It would alleviate the stress that I have of, of having to do all the thinking and connecting the right, dots. Right. It would encourage so many different solutions that are out there and not invented yet. It would reward people who are already working on sustainability and not be a burden on the economically challenged folks. The goal is for it to get us to net zero by 2050, save millions of lives, and people will like it because it puts money in their pockets. Now, what do you think about that? Does that sound like – would you like to hear about a plan that can do that? Yes, we would. <laughs> well, good, because Maggie <laughs> Maggie is really good explaining how this thing works, which is that energy innovation and carbon – Dividend Act, which is in front of Congress right, right now. now. Right now. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. And I will tell you, if you come to our show, we have diagrams. And they yes. <laughs> makes it a little bit easier, but we'll try to do this in a short version. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> this is a quick version because we are so fueled our lives by fossil fuels. This is a huge systemic problem for us. And this is a simple policy as policies go. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Right. Really pretty simple. So let me just explain. That's all right. And it'll take just about three minutes, I think. So this act, we start, we being the United States, charge a fee on fossil fuels at the source. And the source would be the mine, the well, or the port where it comes in. But at that okay. small point, yeah. okay? And guess what? Those things are already counted. 
they already are reported to the IRS for other reasons. This is already in the system. Wow. Okay. So then that fee comes in, it's collected by the treasury. And then we return 100% of the net revenue. That means take out a little bit for expenses because this is a pretty lean, mean bill. Okay. Take out that little bit, return it, share it equally to American people. So each individual gets an equal amount of this pot of money that comes in. Children get a half share. Oh. Just, just there. And you know what? Our IRS does know how now, has learned how to get money to people. So yeah, we know exactly. we can do that. Okay? <laughs> they can do it. They're right. And Alaska right, has been doing this for years, right? Like they have yes. a... Uh, they have, I don't know what it's called, but their petroleum uh, exploration, uh, they, the revenue from that is returned to this, all the citizens of Alaska. So this would be like a national version of that in a sense. Yes. And we have felt that because our friend Dan, who came from there, took us around and saw all the, well, it's just a different field when you had that money coming in. Yeah. It's a different community. Okay. So we've got that fee. Now, what happens next, that fee being into the system and the price, as prices increase because of it, that fee gets passed along, right? Anything that uses those fossil fuels is going to cost a little bit more. That working its way through the system is expected to produce 40% less carbon emissions over the next 12 years. Wow. And this should take us to net zero by 2050. And actually, the consensus is pretty much all these other things that need to happen are all going upstream. Right. This helps it flow downstream. And probably all those other things that everybody's trying to start are not going to take us to that unless we have this unifying force of the carbon tax. OK, the carbon fee. All right. So we start. The fee is $15 per ton of CO2. Every year it goes up $10. That low starting amount protects businesses because it's gradual. It's steady. It's predictable. Businesses like predictability. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now the carbon fee is going to be something that you and I have probably noticed maybe a little bit, but most of its work is on large entities, businesses, corporations, manufacturers. These people may make better choices, environmental choices, because at every transaction, it makes better sense to do so. So anything that's got that little bit of the fee attached is more expensive. All right. Oh, and the plan stays in place until the United States holds CO2 emissions at net zero for three years running. So it does have an end point. Oh, interesting. It will end. When we get there, it's done. The government does not keep any of these fees, so the size of the government does not grow. Families get paid perhaps 10 years into the plan, maybe $4,410. Somebody come up with an average. Yeah. Okay. So that's not tons of money, but it can be a lot. It's significant healthier environment. Okay, we've been looking at the fact that reducing climate instability and a global temp temperature rise by getting the greenhouse gases out. But at the end of this, the air is going to be cleaner than any time since the Industrial Revolution. Wow. <laughs> what a difference for communities. Depending on where you live, it's going to be tremendous. So worth doing. Jobs are created. We always talk about, we hear about inventing new things, working our ways into this new way of living in clean energy. Yeah. Well, this will actually turn on the faucet. So I've seen the number that 2.1 million jobs created over 10 years. Wow. Sounds like a lot to me. But this stuff is really researched, okay? Here's the question that you started to ask me was, in the transition to clean energy with a carbon fee, some of our costs are going to go up. So we really ought to be asking, what's it going to cost me? Yeah. And what's it going to cost the people I care about? So the two-minute answer is prices on specific things that currently use a lot of carbon, like energy, 
fuel, steel, concrete mm -hmm. will likely go up. Gasoline at the pump, surprisingly, not so much. And it's gradual. The projection is that under this plan, when it's in place, 10 years into the plan, gasoline may have shifted a dollar a gallon up. Wow, that's it. <laughs> Which is... 10 years. That's not scary. We got 10 years to work it out, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Okay, you also probably want to consider that a lot of us have investments in fossil fuels. We all do. If you're invested in anything, you're invested in fossil fuels. Pension funds, okay, some of those are likely to lose some of their value. Now, this has been studied and worked out, and I will tell you in the short version, okay, I'm looking at a graph, and this graph shows how much the cash back that you would get back covers those costs that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pretty inclusive things right there. All right. It shows that the percent of households whose carbon dividend, the cash back, is more than the carbon costs is 85% of all. All of us are actually going to be getting more. Wow. Than it would cost us. Wow. Okay. Now, the interesting part comes when you spread that out into, like, say, quintiles of low income, yeah. middle income, high yeah. income. Okay. Because that's where it's interesting of households making up to $25,000 a year, which is our bottom fifth. Yeah. Okay. 99% of those people are protected from the cost. Wow. They are going to make back exactly at least as much or a tiny, such a small smidge less. They're protected. I'm going to call them protected. Okay. Of households that are in the $25,000 to $50,000 income, 96% are protected. Wow, that's impressive. From fifty to eighty thousand, now I'm catching up on some more people. Ninety-two percent are still going to get as much or almost exactly the cost. That sure, costs all sure. those many costs. Huh. Now, when you get up a little bit higher in those top people, the wealthy, yes, who actually use a heck of a lot more carbon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they are not. They are not quite as covered up, but they, I think they've already got their safety net. What do you think? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> and one other piece of that that really matters is the fact that because of how we live, yeah, anybody who's in that lower fifth, uh, that lower percentile, will probably be getting back twice as much as wow. they spend. Wow. In, in increases from the fees. Does that make sense? Yes. Let me pause you there and reintroduce you. We're speaking today with uh, Maggie Hettinger, who you're hearing from right now, and her sister, Carmel Bowman. Maggie's down in Bullitt County and Carmel's down in Bartstown, and they are participating in the Louisville chapter of the Citizens Climate Lobby and going to be giving a talk on Thursday, June 3rd at 7 p.m., which you can find the link to register for on Facebook under the Louisville chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby. Uh, and Maggie is just finishing... Uh, summarizing the impacts of the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act that is before Congress right now. Uh, any last things to say about it? The only other thing I would say is there are actually a number, like four or five different carbon fee bills being brought up now. Oh. And they all look very good, and we would support all of them. Okay. But the thing to know is the emphasis on this safety net yeah. is the one that sets this bill apart from the others. Right. The fact so that that's very important to many of us, and we're watching this one. The fact that it's not going to be a regressive tax that would further burden the already poor who are overburdened right now, right? Uh, and exactly. so uh, what's the status of this bill? Is it, uh, is it passed through the House or anything like that, or is it still in committees, do you know? It's reintroduced in the House. It has, I think, 58 co-sponsors. Okay. 
So that's that's good. Uh, there is a Senate version. And I know John Yarmuth is a co-sponsor, right? But are, are there any other Kentucky legislators that are sponsors? Not yet. Aha. <laughs> Not yet. We have been speaking to Mr. Guy. He is a climate person, and he's serious okay. about the climate. So. Great. But I think that's where that's where the Citizens Climate Lobby push comes right, in is right. because their whole mission is to get people like me and Maggie who are not politicians and don't know anything about this thing. Exactly. But to give us the information and the and whatever we need to help make this happen, to empower our representatives, our members of Congress to to sign on as a co-sponsor. Well, how do they do that? They need to have courage. We need to call them. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever called somebody in Congress before I started hanging out with the Citizens Climate Lobby folks, ever. But wow. I call them on a regular basis now. Wow. And it's not scary. It's not hard uh-huh. at all. And half the time, I call when I don't have to talk to anyone. I just leave a message on the answering yeah. machine. How hard is that? <laughs> and- but just but just the fact, I remember my my son from California saying, Mom, you have... In California, we can't find anybody who does not believe in climate change, much less a Republican. So if you have your job is easy, just turn around. There's people all over the place that want to talk about climate change and who would like the opportunity to know more. We don't we just don't talk about it much here in Kentucky. In your world, you probably do. But out here in rural Kentucky, it's just not a big topic of conversation which is probably why they see me coming. They're like, no, we're not talking about that. <laughs> well, there's so many ways to fight climate change that you don't even have to talk about climate change. <laughs> you can talk about everything else. What I love about playing in trees, for God's sake, that's why we need more trees. You know, that's one way to fight climate change. There's so many but, angles. But but the thing is, that's not my job. My right. job is not to solve climate change. Right. My job is to find the people who are making those decisions and say, it's your job. You need to do this Absolutely. and talk to the people who know, talk to the people who have done the research, figure it out. That's your job. That's why you're in Washington. But they won't do that. And we don't tell them and remind them that's your job. Mm. You figure it out. And we'll give you a and Citizens Climate Lobby has done a great job of, of finding out the information and finding out research Doing and making research, yeah. and, and making it possible for them to make that decision without being lambasted, without feeling like we're f- screaming at them. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, it, it, the Citizens Climate Lobby is a very respectful organization. They just they just say, "What what are your concerns? How can we help you get over that? How can we help you figure out what you need to know and get you to uh, feel confident and comfortable making this decision to move forward with climate change solutions?" They're very good at that. Yeah, and I want to mention, in addition to uh, uh, Carmel and Maggie's presentation coming up this Thursday, this year's National Citizens Climate Lobby Conference is going to be held online. It's open to everyone, and it's in just a couple weeks, June 12th through 13th. That's a Saturday to Sunday from 1 to 5 each day. It's called The Push for a Price on Carbon with all kinds of great uh, keynote national speakers as well as trainings uh, and information that will help you feel empowered to contact your legislator Uh, and registration is free and for more information about the national conference you can go to ccl citizens climate lobby usa.org slash push for a price 
and learn more about the conference coming up June 12th to 13th. So lots of ways for our listeners to learn more and feel more empowered and get engaged uh, in, in the political process to try and get this uh, Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act through Congress, finally, because it's we, something we've been working on even before the Trump administration, as I recall, right? Like, this has been a long process. Uh, but there seems to be maybe a way starting to open. I don't know if you all are feeling more hopeful uh, about the, the, the national political scene. Uh, it, it certainly seems like this may be a, a moment we need to grab onto, right? And make hay while the sun is shining. Yes. <laughs> there has definitely been a sea change in acceptance of the problem and the realization that things need to happen. And yeah. and the problem is, you know, Greta talked about a house on fire, but around here it's more like a slow burn. It sure is, yeah. That is hard to, to try and get people behind, but you have to know that it's there. Right. And, and it's just as important as that yeah. house on fire. It just needs to be dealt with. And yeah. And, and I'll tell you one other thing. You told people about the Citizens Climate Lobby, a way to get involved in their their government world. But I did it just to make new friends. Sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like minded people coming together. Why not? That's great. Doers, uh, actors. That's great. Yeah. We really have to do this work in community. Uh, it, it can feel overwhelming and isolating if you try and take on the world's problems on your own, right? So uh, definitely part of it is about building community and learning from others. Uh, there's always so much to learn in this process of exchange, whether it's about those personal actions or, you know, you know, I'm not a political advocate. What do I know? But together we can be, right? I want to just you reminded me of one of the things that I tell people a lot because you know I often hesitate to start or enter into a conversation yeah. because I know that people especially young people can be overwhelmed by despair about the situation and yet America has always been a yes we can kind of mm -hmm. place we led the way into space and onto cell phones and the internet and today the next big thing is clean energy affordable yeah. local Solar and wind power made here and now across America, in California, Texas, Iowa, and Kentucky. Clean energy is what it's about to power our lives at home and work, creating high paying jobs in America, in our communities. And this can free us from those outdated fuels that pollute our air and water and change our climate. And there are things we can do just being courageous and picking up the phone and saying, I am your constituent, and I am concerned about the climate. Yep. And going back to our song, that might seem like a tiny drop in the bucket. Yep. But add that to my drop and your drop and Maggie's drop and your coworkers, and that's what's going to get this river flowing towards a cleaner, safer, healthy, beautiful world for our families, our children, and future generations. We can do it. Wow. We can do it. I couldn't have said it better myself. What a great note to end on. Time has flown by, my friends, and we are all out of time, I'm afraid. But you have been hearing Carmel Bowman and uh, Maggie Hettinger, uh, two um, incredible advocates for fighting climate change together in all kinds of different ways. 
Uh, they're going to be giving a talk or a performance this Thursday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. It's virtual. You can find it through the Louisville chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby. We'll put more information about that as well as the national conference up in the program notes to this show, which you can find at forwardradio.org under sustainability now. I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to join me today and for doing this important advocacy work uh, in our community. We love it. We need inspiration from folks like you and voices from places like Bullitt County and Bardstown. So thank you all so much. Well, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. <laughs> Maggie, you be well now, okay? Thank you. <laughs> lovely meeting you. Yes, lovely meeting in you person. too in our wonderful. virtual studio. Come on back anytime, and I look forward to seeing you on Thursday evening. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a minute, your community action calendar. All kinds of ideas for how you can get, get engaged in sustainability this week. So stay tuned. sustainability now with the sweet sounds of Appalachian behind me now many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their great local music on our podcast versions of all of our programs which you can find archived anytime you want them at forwardradio.org it is time my friends to get your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and get ready to take action for sustainability this week 
Oh yes, summer and late spring is here. It is definitely time to get planting. And Jefferson County Cooperative Extension is here for you with a free virtual spring class series every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., including this week, Wednesday, June 2nd. The topic is do-it-yourself patio planters. Yes, you can grow food right on your patio. You don't even need a garden. Learn how to make a fun and attractive patio planter for yourself or maybe to give one as a gift. We'll be watching Carol make one virtually. You won't want to miss this great Jefferson County Cooperative Extension event. You can find the link to register and get more information at facebook.com slash Jefferson Co. Extension, Jefferson CO Extension. And the series continues on June 16th with Common Garden Insects, who they are and what they do. On the 23rd of June, it'll be Common Plant Diseases, what to look for. On the 30th of June, it'll be all about compost. And on July 7th, it'll be Scouting for Bad Insects. If you have any questions, you can call Cooperative Extension at 502-569-2344 or find them on Facebook, Jefferson CO Extension. Now, on Thursday at 7 p.m., June 3rd, there'll be a net metering update, a review of the Kentucky Public Service Commission's order adopting new net metering rates for Kentucky Power Company. The Kentucky Solar Energy Society is hosting this free webinar with several great presenters, including the amazing Tom Fitzgerald from the Kentucky Resources Council, always keeping his finger firmly on the pulse of policy in Kentucky with respect to the environment and solar energy in this case. Also, Joshua Bills from the Mountain Association, Andy McDonald's from Apogee and Kentucky Solar Energy Society. On May 14th, the Kentucky Public Service Commission issued a final order in the first case addressing changes to net metering since the passage of the controversial Net Metering Act of 2019, Senate Bill 100. In its order, the commission rejected Kentucky Power Company's proposed changes to net metering, which would have reduced the value of excess solar energy generation by 75%. Instead, the commission set the new compensation rate at about 9.7 cents per kilowatt hour or 12% below the retail rate. The commission acknowledged multiple benefits provided by distributed solar generation and adopted principles and best practices to be used for determining the value of distributed energy resources. Attorney Tom Fitzgerald, Joshua Bills, and Andy McDonald have worked together for more than a decade supporting net metering and customer access to solar energy and were interveners in the recent uh, KPC rate case. You can find the link to register for Thursday's 7 p.m. webinar at kyses.org slash events. This is the Kentucky Solar Energy Society. You can find them at kyses.org slash events. Also on Thursday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. and also online, as you heard, Citizens Climate Lobby Louisville is hosting this great webinar called Ready for a Solution. It's in your hand. The Louisville chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby will be presenting this virtual show with our guests from this program, speakers and activists, uh, 
priming your pump and encouraging you to register for the free National Citizens Climate Lobby online conference that I mentioned June 12th through 13th. Now, at Thursday's virtual event, we will be hearing from Carmen Bowman and Maggie Hettinger, who you just heard on this program. Maggie's from Danville. Carmen lives in Bardstown, and together they've devised a marvelous program about Citizens Climate Lobby, the main details about the carbon fee and dividend, and how they got involved. You won't want to miss their great show. They'll find the link to register at facebook.com search for our citizens climate lobby louisville kentucky uh, and you won't want to miss it now also starting on june 3rd and running through the 13th it is the ali festival the 2021 muhammad ali festival is crafted to provide inspiration entertainment education and activation through events that generate a sense of unity justice and a rebirth of muhammad ali's hometown of louisville from june 3rd to 13th the ali center will host a number of events that honor the legacy of ali the festival will start on Thursday, the anniversary of Ali's death, with a private ceremony at Cave Hill Cemetery where Ali is buried. A public remembrance event will follow that on Thursday the 3rd. Highlights for the week include the world premiere of City of Ali, a documentary about how Louisville reacted to Ali's death, with multiple screenings each day of the festival. And then at noon on Wednesday, June 9th, in recognition of Muhammad Ali's spirituality, which is one of Ali's six core principles, the Center is presenting as part of its I Am America series a virtual program called The Intersection of Race and Religion Through the Lens of Muslim Americans. Ali enjoyed visiting different neighborhoods throughout the city during his lifetime, and to carry on that tradition, the Ali Community Bus will bring games, care packages, and other activities directly to residents on June 7th, 9th, and 11th. The winner of an art and poetry contest will be announced on June 8th to mark the 100th birthday of artist Leroy Neiman, who was a friend of Ali. There will be a digital exhibit released that day that highlights their friendship and Neiman's artwork. Rare items from the Ali Center's archives will be on display on June 8th, and the Ali Center is expanding its hours noon to 5 p.m. every day for the duration of the festival. You can find the full schedule and details at alicenter.org. That's A-L-I-Center.org. Coming up on Friday, June 4th at noon, I'm really excited to invite you all to come on down to the University of Louisville main campus in our Garden Commons at the southwest corner of Strickler Hall for a service berry foraging workshop. Bring a pail or Tupperware and get ready to load up on the sweetest secret right under our noses. Service berries, also known as June berries, are native to Kentucky and they're planted all over our city as a common low-maintenance street tree. The fruits are ripe for only two weeks right around now june 1st and they are similar to blueberries but a little bit nutty the trees are in the almond family L's campus boasts many loaded service berries and during this special workshop we'll be walking around to visit them all you can pick and take home as many as you like enjoy them fresh or freeze them for pies and smoothies year round we'll be meeting up at the garden commons at the southwest corner of strickler hall that's right next to the speed art museum parking garage if you know where that is and we will proceed from there meet us at noon on friday and uh, you can find more at louisville.edu slash sustainability now proud community partner of forward radio the urban agriculture coalition is partnering with community groups to host a series of neighborhood vegetable seedling giveaways for your garden or patio planter we want to help folks of all 
ages and all uh, backgrounds all over town to grow their own food. Vegetable starts are available as small seedlings to transplant into a garden or in larger containers where they can grow for the rest of the season. And you can get picking straight out of the pot. So there are several of these plant swaps. Uh, seedling giveaways have already happened, but there are more coming up on Friday, June 4th from 2 to 5. They'll be giving away plant seedlings out at Iroquois Farm. On Saturday the 5th from 10 a.m. to noon, they'll be out at the People's Garden. And then from noon to 5 on Saturday the 5th, they'll be at the Black Market KY. And it wraps up on June 6th from 3 to 5 out at Highland Community Ministries. You can learn more about these free vegetable seedling giveaways at foodinneighborhoods.org slash grow. Now, also on Saturday, June 5th, it is Central Park Improvement Day, a great chance to volunteer for a great Olmstead Park from 8.30 a.m. to noon at Central Park in beautiful Old Louisville. The Old Louisville Neighborhood Council and U of L's Sustainability Council invite everyone to volunteer at the Spring Central Park Improvement Day. Consider volunteering a few hours of your time to do light chores to clean up this historic Olmstead Park near campus and get ready for a variety of free summer events that will be take place, taking place at the park, including Shakespeare in the park. So we'll be meeting up at the Visitor Center at 8.30 a.m. for coffee and donuts and checking in. Councilman David James is providing a free barbecue lunch at noon for all the volunteers. Thanks to him and our council partners, Metro Parks and the Olmstead Parks Conservation Conservancy. If it is raining on Saturday the 5th, there will be a rain date of Saturday, June 12th. You can learn more at louisville.edu slash sustainability. No pre-registration is necessary. We hope to see you out at Central Park on Saturday at 8.30 a.m. And finally, a couple great events coming up at Bernheim on Saturday, June 5th. It's a birding walk, birding beyond binoculars from 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. During quarantine, many families discovered the joy of birding in their backyards and neighborhoods. Because Bernheim is such an amazing place to learn how to go birding or to hone newly acquired birding skills, they are providing several birding programs this season. You will find birding programs for beginners, intermediate, and slightly more advanced birders. And also, there'll be a first Saturday nature hike out at Bernheim on Saturday at 2 p.m. You can join Bernheim Naturalists for this family-friendly nature hike for about an hour on the first Saturday of each month. And each Saturday will feature a new hike to a different place for exploration, adventure, and a little bit of learning. Space is limited and social distancing and protocols will be enforced. All programs are conducted outside and include a hike, so please dress accordingly and dress for the weather. Wear shoes you don't mind getting earthy. Space is limited for safety, so register early and no pets are allowed. Registration and payment of the nominal fees are due by 4 p.m. on Friday. To register, go to bernheim.org or call, give them a call at 502-955-8512. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I will be back in your ears again in one week's time. Be well. Oh.